Renata. And I'm Lauren. You've been back in Denmark this week. Well, last week, yes. Um, and yes. I must admit it was quite an intense week. Um, had a lot of full day workshops, customer events, that kind of thing. So um, I generally find when I get back from Denmark, I'm tired because it's a little bit out of routine for me, you know, with the traveling and everything. But oh, this week really, really took it out of me. Would you say that um, because your your setup is primarily work from home setup, would you say that it would have been different if you'd been going into the office every day? Probably, yeah. I'd say so. I think I've gotten quite used to a quiet life um, mm. working from home, even though I actually don't know if that's really the best thing for me to be constantly working from home. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I've gotten used to it. So, yes, I think, you know, I've got things on two extremes. It's either sitting at home three meters from my bed or getting on a plane and flying to Denmark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. But you had your performance review at work as well. I did. Um, And I must say it was quite a good experience. I think when you start a new job, you're always a little bit unsure of sort of, you know, where you're measuring on the scale of between absolutely awful and really fucking brilliant. Mm. And um, yeah, it was a little bit, a little bit nerve wracking, but I must say it was probably one of the best performance reviews I've had, not because of like, I'm a star, but uh, actually because the discussion that I was able to have with my manager was, I feel actually so rare nowadays that one could speak to a manager in that way. Um, you know, finding people in management that are truly empathetic, mm. it's not a given. Um, so it was it was really good because I've, I've had a really tough time lately and I could actually open up and uh, kind of just like <laughs> pulled it all out and dumped it all <laughs> on my manager, who was very receptive and empathetic. So... Yeah, I'm not sucking up by mentioning it, but I actually, I don't even, I don't think that she listens to the podcast. <laughs> Maybe that's the boundary between professional and personal life, but um, it made enough of an impression for me. So I just thought I'd say it. Okay. Well, that's good. That's a really good experience. That's um really mm. nice to know that you've got someone like that to go to as well. It is. And, you know, someone who really does have your back, that if things are not going super great at work that she'll also step in and and support Mm. so Mm. that's really nice so I was having a discussion with someone the other day about things that are frowned upon in society and like if you make a decision about something how you need to kind of anticipate what other people are going to think and how other people are going to judge you on those decisions and that was just something that I've thought we could we could maybe delve a little bit deeper into today because I find it really frustrating how you know there's this promotion for be your own person be independent do what you want yet there's a lot of judgment that comes from society once you've made decisions and once you've made or you know you've actioned something you've decided to do something so I thought that Today we could have a bit of a chat on societal norms and why it is that certain things are frowned upon and why not. Yeah, I think it's um, quite an interesting topic because I think it's so prevalent in society, like you say, is that there's this narrative of be your own person and be independent and it doesn't matter what other people think. 
Um, but I think at the same time, it's almost an innate part of being human that mm. we crave that kind of acceptance as well. And um, even if it's something that we don't agree with or something that, I don't know, isn't super beneficial to us, then I guess there's a good-ish chance that we'll go along with the flow. So mm. I think it's definitely an interesting topic to discuss. So the conversation was around um, having sexual partners very close together. And I think it it was more of a like having sexual partners, I want to say in close proximity, but almost in, in quick succession. Um, mm-hmm. And my first reaction to to that statement was to be a little bit taken aback. And then I almost got this like, but if that's what you decided to do and if that's what you feel comfortable, like if you're comfortable with that, then who am I to judge you on that? Or who am I to think differently of you or think ill of you in any way, shape and form? Because if you're fine with that and you know that, you know, you are safe and you're okay with the way that you acted, then who the hell is everyone else to pass judgment on that decision to do that? That's true. I think that there's also a scale of decisions though. Um, you know, because speaking about this example has got to do with uh, sexual partners. And I guess it's for the longest time in more traditional society. I mean, uh, being being more modest or being a little bit more conservative has kind of been the, the story of the day, right? But I think if you also, I mean, there's a difference. I don't know. Maybe now I'm going to say this and actually question myself and why am I saying this? But I mean, there's a difference between is somebody judging you for the car you drive or judging you for having multiple sexual partners it feels like one is more benign than the other but where does that come from where does that perspective come from like I get it because I hold the same views right like you don't want to be known as the village bicycle or as you know what are they called I wanted to call it a harlow it's not a harlow a prostitute (laughs) a harlot Oh, there we go. <laughs> you don't want to be known as a harlot or a prostitute or, you know, like someone that gets around really easily. But in the same breath, like, where do where do these things actually come from? You know, like, yes, I get it in the sense of being in a long-term relationship and being in a committed relationship. That's obviously not the way that things are done. But where do these perspectives actually come from? Who is it that instilled that in you? And why is it okay? Why does that make it okay to pass judgments on other people? I think that's opening a Pandora's box. I think there's so many things that can actually go into it. But I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, and I guess it's a little bit of a, um, I don't know, running storyline with our, well, not storyline. I don't know what's the right way to describe it. But there's a little bit of a red thread that goes through that episode, speaking about the influence of, your upbringing and the environment that you grew up in. And I think there's a good chance is that, you know, we believe or we accept that things need to be a certain way because, well, that's what our parents taught us and that's what Mm. their parents taught them. And there's just been this age old story handed down generation after generation. And actually we don't know why, uh, you know, don't know why we shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, but um, yet we still accept it as truth. Mm. So, 
we both decided to do a little bit of research on the topic because mm -hmm. um, I think there's quite a lot that you can delve into on it. But I found quite an interesting article, uh, peer-reviewed, published article, um, on why people follow social norms. And I think something, first of all, that they highlighted as well is that social norms are actually quite important um, because it helps us to understand a wide array of social behaviours. That's not to say that something is right or wrong, but it helps us understand and navigate social behaviour from others. But they narrowed it down into some areas um, on why people follow social norms. The first is through the... Yeah, there's three, four, five. Sorry, I can't count. <laughs> but I thought it might be good to perhaps just go through these. And I think it gives a good picture of, well, just that. Why do mm. people follow social norms? And um, the first one was internalization. Um, and they wrote here, and oh, by the way, I should probably say what the, who wrote the article. It's by Jörg Grosson and Alexander Vostroknutov. I probably butchered that, so I do apologize, Mr. Vostroknutov. But uh, so these two authors, they said that uh, one prominent explanation is that social norm following is to some degree internalized through socialization. So that means that norms are learned um, when, well, usually as a child, but learning norms takes place when punishment of violations or rewards for adherence are observed or experienced. So if you, in some way or another, maybe okay, maybe punish is a strong word, but if you get a negative reaction or something to a certain behavior, you learn to not do it. But if you get a positive one, you do do it. Mm -hmm. So internalization may also explain why violating norms can trigger emotional reactions like guilt or shame that then actually reduce the likelihood that that person would violate norms again. So it just gets uh, reinforced. It's a nice little cycle. Mm -hmm. So the next one is your social image and your self-image. And it says here that we often like to seem as though we're fair-minded, honest, or decent by those around us. So in other words, you're so, the concern that you have with your social image or how you want to present yourself is an important driver behind abiding to those social norms. And uh, it's often because we want to be seen as though we're trustworthy and that we will help others and, you know, that you are going to be that, that person that others choose to interact with. So the image that you're putting out there or the image that you want others to see you as is a strong influence behind why we might abide to those social norms rather than acting outside of the norm. Yeah. Another factor is social learning, um, or to put that differently, preferences that are conditional on what others do or believe. So that social learning takes into account that the norms and the degree to which you actually abide to those social norms depend on the beliefs about others and the observation of others with regards to these social norms. And um, this is kind of, you know... Uh, when you go with the flow and uh, uh, for example in social dilemma situations so if you see that by cooperating by going with the masses and what the group decision or consensus is um, is maybe not the best decision or the best situation for you but because the rest of them are supporting it then you will cooperate with that because 
that's what the group is. So I guess it's like peer pressure, really. Mm. Um, and and through experiences like that, we learn what social norms to abide to, regardless of whether they're actually positive or negative for us. Mm-hmm. Another factor that they talk about is, I guess, your social status as well. And this being because it's been argued that people in more powerful positions have a lower likelihood of following norms, possibly because they also face lower likelihood of getting sanctioned for violating those norms or have developed a feeling of entitlement. Similarly, individuals who belong to minority groups get punished more frequently for violating norms. And I guess related to the fact that minority groups tend to get punished more frequently for violating social norms is that research has also shown that enforcing social norms is more likely if people interact with other people that they perceive to be in their group and not out and um, not, well, out of their group. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, sorry. It's nine... No, it's not even 9 o'clock, it's 9.30 at night, which I suppose is a very normal time of night for other people. But for Renata Alinga, who is not a night owl, this is it's leaning bedtime. on the side of tired. Yes. <laughs> so, out of group me- people, members, people who are not in your group. <laughs> oh, goodness, it's not even a laughing matter. <laughs> Okay, so let me uh, let me start that point again and try to be a little bit more coherent this time. <laughs> so research has also shown that enforcing social norms is more likely when people interact with other people that they perceive to be as part of their group rather than people who are not. So if they are interacting with people that they identify with, they're more likely to actually follow the social norms versus if it's someone that they don't identify with which I guess also ties in a little bit into the kind of um, how power positions might also affect um, whether social norms are followed or not. Mm. And I I guess in alignment with that, the situation would also play a role. So, you know, certain things might be more salient, like, for instance, avoiding crossing a red traffic light, especially when there are, I don't know, children around, or, you know, not letting someone cross the street if there's someone with a child mm. you might be more more inclined to to follow those norms than what you wouldn't or the mm. yes than what you would otherwise yeah that makes sense I guess it's also a little bit um uh, I guess it kind of ties into a few things here but if you're being watched then um you know you know that there's other people that are observing your behavior and your decisions as well I think it makes you approach it a lot well, not a lot but I guess it does mean that you could be approaching the situation differently just because you're aware that other people are watching and, well, I guess you might perceive it as judging you as well. Mm. Mm. Or other people could be involved in it in some way. Mm. I might take that part out. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what you're saying. That's why I went, hmm. <laughs> Other people could be involved. I was like, if you're going to hit a pedestrian, then they could be could be hurt. And then, yeah, they're not involved. They could be uh, influenced, impacted, whatever the word is. Well, that might actually be an interesting point to talk about, is that following a social norm, if you know that doing something is going to hurt someone else and you're going to do it because, well, 
that's what I suppose the social norm dictates you should be doing, or that's what the group is doing, but you know it's going to hurt someone else, but you're still going to do it. I guess, well, okay, in a practical thing like running a red light and the danger of hitting someone, I mean, that's a different kind of situation. Mm. That also ties in a little bit with me wanting to bring in the need to conform and the different types of conformity. Now I'm going to jump ahead a little bit um, to where they say there are two different reasons that people engage in conformity. And the first one being informational conformity. So on the positive side of this one is that conformity can be a way to learn what to do in different situations and settings. So it can sort of teach you how to problem solve in certain ways or how to act in certain situations. And here it comes in where if you are looking for people who are more informed and experienced or you are learning from people who are more informed and experienced, it can sort of help guide your own actions. So like in the situation that we were talking about where, you know, if it's going to harm others, then how would you normally act in that? And learning from others in that way and how others act in that sort of social situation would guide your own actions and your abilities to problem solve in that moment as well. Mm. They say people tend to engage in informed conformity when they lack the knowledge or experience in that certain situation. Um, so you might change your behavior to avoid looking foolish or incorrect. Yeah. The other reason for engaging in conformity could be normative conformity, which can also be influenced by social norms and expectations. It is the desire to fit in with groups and avoid being singled out for going against the status quo that can also be a powerful motivation to conform. So not wanting to be singled out, wanting to, you know, not be perceived as different or not conforming, not partaking as per usual or as normal as what people would, I don't know, perceive you to be different. In this way, also, I guess your behavior would be designed to get people to like you or to approve of you. Now, they talk about the different types of conformity. You get four different types of conformity. The first one is compliance, where you change your behavior to either earn a reward or to avoid punishment, um, even though you might still disagree with the general consensus. The next one is identification. So changing your behavior because people want to align your identity to the rest of a certain group. Internalization is when people change their beliefs and attitudes because they desire to be like others. And the last one is ingratiation. So changing behavior in order to be accepted or favored by other people. All seems quite similar, doesn't it? There's some mm. nuances between them, but um, there definitely seems to be a common thread. Mm. It's all got to do with how others perceive you as a person, what the opinion is of others around you that informs your behavior. Mm. But I think what would be interesting to me to know, and I mean, I know that we, we all do it. I guess we all at some point compare ourselves to others or worry about what other people think of us. But I'd be interested to know what happens if we question that, you know, instead of thinking, you know, I 
had multiple sexual partners or okay maybe that's I don't know if that's gonna work out as an example mm. in what I'm trying to say here but you know if you're worried that you know what are people going to think about me because of a b and c you like question yourself what are the real consequences of that and do they actually matter mm. I mean if you make a decision what are the consequences of it okay yeah there'll probably be some people that don't agree or they have a different take on it or whatever the case may be but nobody dies no one's um you know i i would say that okay i guess you can't generalize to every situation but i would say that in many a situation it's not as bad as you think it's going to be and i guess for me remembering that the judgments of other people is instantaneous it doesn't well it can i guess influence their perspective or their perception of you long term but that judgment isn't something that's going to really affect how they live their lives or their everyday lives so the fact that other people judge you in that moment for for instance having multiple sexual partners doesn't mean that that changes anything for them and it doesn't change anything for you either the only thing that it changes for you is the way that you are feeling in that moment and you are feeling a little bit uncomfortable because you feel like you're being judged mm. but it doesn't change the fact that you've done it it doesn't change the fact that you felt that that was okay all that it might do is make you question whether you should be feeling bad that you've done that or decided to do that mm. and why why is that why is it that we feel like we need to change our own behavior just so that we can fit in with what everyone else is doing or what the perception is of everyone else. I think, you know, there's also something that I read in preparation for the episode as well is uh, something that stood out to me in a tie. And I think it links very nicely to what you've said now is that obviously it's clear social norms have got a strong influence on our behavior but why is this the case? And the first one particularly resonated was we have evolved to crave acceptance. One of the strongest drivers of human behavior is our need for belonging. We're social creatures and there's an important reason why. In prehistoric times, there was no other way to survive. In a harsh and unforgiving ancient environment, it was crucial to maintain good relationships with others to be part of a collective. The need for belonging and the desire for closeness with others is considered to be a fundamental human motivation. And social connection is so integral to our existence that lack of it is detrimental to our physical health. And it was just super interesting to see um, the they talk about a, a study that was done, or they did an analysis of 148 different studies, that looked at social isolation and mortality and they found that people with strong social relationships had 50% increased likelihood of survival. So it's something that's really ingrained in us. Mm, and I guess that makes a lot of sense as well, particularly that last part about the mortality and isolation, because being lonely is never fun, right? And we mm. often hear about the instigator for suicide being people feeling like they were lonely, feeling like they didn't have, you know, anyone to rely on or like they couldn't open up. I might be diving into Pandora's box here a little bit, but, you know, we often hear that this is a strong reason behind why there are so many suicides. 
um, because people feel like they didn't have anyone else to go to. They felt isolated. So it makes a lot of sense that we, we are social creatures. We want to be around other people and we want to be liked by other people. That's very true. And I think it's, um, we'll go to great lengths to make sure that we achieve that acceptance and that we are liked by others. Mm. And I guess social norms have been around since, you know, the dawn of time and they will continue to be around for, well, I guess as long as humanity exists. Mm. And um, it's not to say that following a social norm or having a certain belief that's congruent with a social norm is wrong. I mean, you're allowed to have that, uh, well, preferably as long as you're not hurting other people and you're also still allowing other people to be themselves. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's not to say that I now feel bad because we do what society tells us to, but also actually I think the encouragement is to actually just be a little bit more critical, you know, or a little Mm. bit more analytical in your thinking. Like why, Mm. you know, why do I just take this as truth that you should only ever, I don't know, have sex with one person and that's it. Mm. Or hold one job or. Or hold only one job. Like you need to stay in a job for 30 years, 40 years. Otherwise Mm. people will see you as not reliable or a failure or why. I mean, because that's absolutely not the case anymore. And I think it just helps to reflect sometimes a little bit on that. Mm. But I think what you said also ties into this next point of we want to protect our self-concept, where it's another fundamental human human need to feel like you belong, but to also maintain a positive self-image of ourselves. And one way to do this is to keep our behavior consistent with the norms and values that we sort of gradually internalize as we grow up. But I guess also as we're maturing, we learn the norms of society through observation and through direct reinforcement. So certain behaviors are rewarded while others are punished. And by the time we reach adulthood, most of us have a firm set of values and a particular idea of how a good person behaves. And since we all want to see ourselves as good people, we often hold ourselves to the standards set by the norms that we've internalized in order to protect our own self-concept. So what you said about being critical and just reflecting a little bit more on your behavior and understanding why it is that you feel that way needs to resonate with how you view yourself as a person and what your perception is of yourself. But I Mm. guess for me, that would be one of the takeaways of this episode as well is, you know, what do you believe of yourself? What is it that you truly believe? And to reflect on, is that something that aligns with what society believes is right? If it is, why? And if it isn't, also, why? Why is it that you hold this belief that is either against what everyone else thinks they need to believe or why is it that you feel the need to conform? Why is it that you feel the need to stay in one job for the next 30 years rather than, you know, in my case, well, I say it actually, I was going to say, I say it as though it's a good thing. It's 
not such a good thing, but why? Why does it matter that I was in one position for three months and then moved on to the next one? Hmm. Why is it that I feel ashamed by that? Because actually, and when I did do some reflection on this, and that's kind of also what, I guess, stemmed part of this research for me was my happiness needs to come above all else. And my everyday happiness largely influences, I guess, how you feel in life, how you act on an everyday basis Mm. and how you're going to perform in life. And if you're not happy, then surely something needs to change which makes it okay Mm. for me to have made that decision. But why is it that I feel like I need to hide that from others? Or why is it that I feel like that is not okay just because society says to me, you need to hold a job for longer than three months? That's a lot of questions that I can't answer. (laughs) Well, point being, just to reflect on the decisions that you do make. And if it is outside of those societal norms, then deciding for yourself whether you are okay with that and if you I I don't even want to say if you can justify it to yourself because no one really needs to justify their own behavior but if you are okay with the way that things are going then why does it matter what society thinks and why does it matter if others are going to react in a way that is not favorable certain things yes like there are certain things that you can't avoid and there are certain things that are just sort of how things are done but If you're okay with the behavior Mm. or if you're okay with the decision that you're making, why does it matter so much to you what other people think and what society is going to say? Yeah. And I think it's, I also said it a little bit earlier as well, but I think you'd find that, yes, they will, well, first of all, you'll never have a situation in which everybody approves or everyone has a positive opinion. I mean, there's Mm. always going to be someone who, things contrary to the way you do or would have done things differently or doesn't agree or whatever. But I think also to realize that sometimes this reaction is also just like quite short lived. Mm. We were, we, you know, we confer, we conform and we, we do things to follow social norms because we're scared of what's going to happen afterwards. And um, yeah, sure. Maybe you are going to get a negative reaction from some people, but I think in most cases it's probably quite short lived. So then, you know, you, you're fundamentally changing who you are. Well, okay, maybe that's a bit of a strong wording, but to say is that you're, you're basing your decisions on something that is probably 10 times worse in your head than it will ever be in Mm. real life. Mm, That's right. And we are inclined to inflate what we perceive others' reactions to be or what we perceive other people's behaviors to be in our heads. So the reality, like you say, the reality is people might not react in a certain way or it might be overemphasized in your head or bigger in your head than what it might actually be in reality. Yeah, it's definitely, I can think of a few things in my life as well as that it's, I, I don't really feel like discussing them right now, but I mean, I can think of some areas where I'm a bit like, now but why Mm. why why do I do this or why have I done this and why do I feel this way so it's really I think and I hope that the listeners are also feeling a little bit like that Mm. if they can think of an example um something that happened in their lives and just reflect a little bit 
Mm, or even in the why. instance where a decision was made that doesn't align with what you truly believe, why? Why did you change your decision or your behavior based on what you thought mm. would be right and wrong, contrary to what you actually believe as a person? Yeah. I think that's a good place for us to leave off today. If you mm-hmm. enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on and uh, go give us a rating. <clears throat> Those ratings are very welcome. Thank you to everyone who has already left a rating and a review. You know where to find us. We're on all the social media platforms. And if you have any ideas or anything in particular that you'd like us to discuss and research, then reach out to us, let us know, and we'll see what we can do to make it happen. Absolutely. Until next week. Bye. Bye.